But you're right, creating your own misery because really at the end of the day, I read the saying and it's like, one day you're going to look back and you're going to say, hey, I did all of this for you and everyone is going to go, I never asked you to. Yes. <laughs> so true. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. It's almost Christmas, folks. Ho, ho, ho. I chose this podcast to release this week because it addresses Christmas, a small part. Is it the Santa Claus question? No. (laughs) David, I have a question for you. Okay. Say that your parents... Are retired. My parents are retired. I'm not. I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Gosh. <laughs> Say that your parents are retired and they live off Social Security. Okay. Okay. So they have a limited income. Mm-hmm. Say you married me. You had one kid. I had four. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, instead of one kid for them to buy for at Christmas, there's five. Right. Say they normally spend 50 bucks on your kid for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Now there's five kids total. Right. How do you think that should be addressed? A, do you think that they should take that $50 and split it between all five kids? B, do you think that you should give them $200 to be able to buy something worth 50 bucks for each kid? Of course, adding their 50 in. Or C, do whatever they want. Can I can I have a D? Yes, for David. <laughs> um, I mean, well, my initial reaction is, is they can do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would I would also give them money, so I wouldn't I wouldn't want them to to spend ten dollars on the, the kid or each kid. I mean, honestly, what pack of gum? <laughs> <laughs> So what I would do is I would give them the money. I would say, you know, you can continue spending your fifty dollars. I understand you're on a you know tight limited budget, whatever. Here, this this will help you buy fifty dollars worth for everybody. Right, and I agree with that. That's that's what I would do. But you know, it's still I think their choice. But they're probably going to choose. I mean, most grandparents, even of step parents, most most of them say, I want to be amicable. And fair, and so I got to spend that money on everybody. But going from fifty to two hundred fifty is a big difference, right? And so here's the thing: if your parents did not live in town with us, Mm -hmm. and we were going to see them at Christmas only when your kids weren't here, would you still say the same thing, or would you say just buy little Johnny something? You don't have to buy Lori's kids something because they won't be here and they won't know. I mean, I, I think if if that is an option, like, for example, you know that my parents aren't going to buy your kids anything and that's not going to cause a problem, then certainly go that route. It needs to be okay between the bio parent and the step parent is what it boils down to. Right. Now, if you were to say, look, my, you know, your parents can't afford it or it's not fair to them, my kids aren't going to be here anyway. They won't know. We're going to buy something and put their name on it. Whatever. Whatever those things you want to do is fine. But don't let it cause a riff in your relationship because of it. Right. So we know Christmas is coming. We know y'all are all stressed out. 
COVID Christmas and all. Mm-hmm. It's, and it, I think it's hard on grandparents. It is hard on grandparents. Because they have a lot of people to buy for. Look, my mama Brown, you got 10 bucks. Yeah. I remember my grandparents bought my kids stuff. So they're great grandkids. They're buying my four plus my sister's two plus my cousin's however many. I'm like, and, and these they're like 70-something, 80-something years old. Mm-hmm. I'm like, y'all don't have to do this. Right. But they wanted to. Right. And so I felt like I felt like I didn't want to take that away from them. Mm-hmm. So even though it was probably a $10 gift, they got more out of giving to the kids than the kids got out of receiving. Right. So I didn't want to take that away from them. Exactly. Another thing is, what do you do when Santa Claus is supposed to come Christmas night? Mm-hmm. Or Christmas Eve night, and all the kids aren't there the next day. Well, the good thing is, is that Santa Claus has a different schedule for blended families. Yes, and so does the Easter Bunny. Yeah, and you know because of the proliferation of blended families in today's society, so what's I, that mean? <laughs> that means it is more prevalent nowadays. Okay. Um, now I'm sure I'm not the only one that didn't know what proliferation was. <laughs> I was thinking of. Like those little dots where you tear paper. Perforations. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, fortunately, there's a different schedule that they're on, and they can't even make more than one trip to your house if it needs to be. Or they can come early. They can come later. I mean, there's like all kinds of things that the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and all that will do to arrange around your schedule. Right. It's amazing. And then when little Johnny goes to his friend's house and they say, what did Santa bring you? He'd say, Santa came to my house two weeks ago. And they'll be like, what? Being in a blended family must be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. You really do have to figure out the ways that are going to lower your stress. If it's going to lower your stress to move Christmas, move Christmas. Mm Mm-hmm. If it's going to lower your stress to give Mama and Papa a hundred bucks to buy everybody a gift, so you feel like everybody's got the same money spent on them, do that. Or heck, buy it yourself off Amazon. Ship it to the Mama and Papa's house. Mm-hmm. These are the gifts for little Johnny, little Susie, and little whoever. Yeah, we we do that almost every Christmas. My parents say, "What does so and so want?" And I'm like, "You know what." Give me the money and I'll buy it and give it to you and you can give it to them. That way you don't have to run around looking for it and buying it. And I ensure that you're buying the kid exactly something they want for whatever budget you have. Right. And he makes sure he gets a good deal on it. I absolutely do. I'm going to save y'all money. I do. Because like they come up and they give me a number. If I can get something that's of that value and get it cheaper, then I don't say, okay, I only spent. $60 $60 and you wanted to spend 75 so now I get a pocket 15 <laughs> No, you ain't doing that. Uh, or you can spend another $15 on the kid or whatever. I usually just say, look, it's a $75 value. I got a deal on it. So now you don't have to spend $75. Right. And so I saved my parents, you know, from spending the money. Okay. So let's talk about our guest today. Okay. Our guest today is Jasmine. Hello, Jasmine. I love that name. Do you? I do. It's like you can smell it when you say it. So refreshing. (laughs) (laughs) Jasmine has been blending for three years. Okay. 
You ready, David? I'm ready. She has stepson, 17, stepson, 15, stepson, 14, stepson, 13, stepdaughter, 11. They got to live somewhere where it's cold. Bio daughter, seven, and an hour son, one. <sighs> yes, folks, you heard that correctly. That is seven kids total. So she had one and married a guy with five. Yep, she's stupider than I see, was. I was going to say, see, you're not the only one that got hooked into that. Mm-hmm. Jasmine, I'm kidding. You know what? Don't think you're stupid. <laughs> I think you're awesome. <laughs> but it is funny how people look at um, Lori and go, why? You knew he had four. Why? And, I know. And, you know. And just stop. We we know the answer to that. We, we just won't tell nobody. It was the Harley, folks. It was the Harley. <laughs> It clouded my judgment. Is that what it was? Yes, all I could focus on was the sound of the Harley. (laughs) (laughs) Her hardest thing is dealing with teenagers because she's so much younger than her husband or her partner. And also dealing with them taking their anger out on her because their mom isn't present. Mm. This is huge. Little Susie doesn't want you going with her prom dress shopping because she's just being reminded that her mom's not there. Right. Yeah. And and you're trying to, I'm not saying you're doing this, but oftentimes the stepmom's like really trying hard to fill in that gap. And the stepkid is resentful because you have to fill in that gap. Right. Her best advice is less is more. Mm-hmm. I agree. And you ready for this? Yep. She admits that she was high conflict herself. Oh, Lord. No, she didn't. Yes, she did. Mm. She also brings up a good point. She says, by a mom may feel guilty for not being able to provide for her kids like Jasmine and her partner can. Mm-hmm. I've never really thought of it like that. Well, there's often an inequality of mm, finances between families and um and i think that's where a lot of people stress out because they see one step family or one side of the family doing all these things and they're able to you know afford uh, different stuff and then you feel like for some reason you you're in a competition and you know I, i never got caught up into that into that competition thing i do think that my ex was trying to have a competition, but it was funny because she was competing with herself. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she would, you know, it seemed like she kept trying to one-up her own thing. But honestly, I was taking my kids out and doing things that were more relational and not transactional. And what I mean by that is taking them to um, a movie, for example, that's not a relationship-building exercise. They're focused on something else that's going on. So there's a there's a transaction that's happening there, but it is not build relationships. And then the relational side, like we would go um, geocaching or hiking or doing something out in the yard, you know, camping, teaching them how to do something, whatever. It was always things that, although we were doing a function, they were functions that we were doing that focused on each other and not not the event. Right. And I love how Jasmine tries to see things from the stepkid side. Yeah, that's a, that's a big plus because empathy is huge. In the blend. Yeah, so it's a big benefit. It's like a superpower if you got empathy. And I love how she said, 
After having a come-to-Jesus meeting, <laughs> her partner and her agreed that she would take care of the girls and he would take care of the boys. Hey, there you go. Mm-hmm. Well, how many boys are they? Like one? <laughs> like, yeah, I'll do that. Four stepsons, ages 13 to 17, mm-hmm. stepdaughter 11, biodaughter 7, and our son 1. Okay. It's not that she dumped her baby off on him. They agreed that her partner would parent the teenage boys. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, if that's what works for you, yep. do it. All right, let's get to listening, David. Quit All right. talking. Okay. Everybody inhale really deeply and relax. And let's get into this episode after a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have stepmom Jasmine. Hey, Jasmine, how are you? I'm doing good, and you? Good. So how long have you been blending? It's been about three years now. We're coming up on three years of full-time blending with everyone here in the household. Okay. So how many stepkids do you have? I have five stepchildren. Um, It'll be stepson almost 17 this month, stepson 15, stepson 14, stepson um, 13, and then stepdaughter who is 11. Holy moly. (laughs) (laughs) All with the same bio mom? Yes. Yes. Goodness gracious, she was putting out some babies. Yeah, they're kind of back to back, which is a pro and a con. It feels kind of better just because they all have that relationship with each other. But for me, being so young, it's kind of like dealing with teenage over and over and over again all at once whenever my bio children are not that old. How old are your bio children? So I have a bio daughter who is seven, and then we have an hours baby that is one. Oh, sweet baby. So you said you were young. Yes. How young are you? I am 26. And like I said, my oldest stepchild is about to be 17. So that kind of has problems of its own. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that it does present some issues. What are some that you notice? I think especially since, I mean, what, that's like a nine-year difference, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm not even old enough to be your mom, really. And then he already has these relationships formed with his biological mother because he remembers his parents being so together for so long. He has those memories. He remembers, you know, living with his mom, all of these things. He has this loyalty to her. And it kind of feels like, well, this person's not even old enough to be my parent, but she's in the position of being it because I'm the one who's mostly here. So it just kind of creates these things where like we get on a good track and we're good and we're blending. And then it's like we take a couple steps back at times. I mean, he's verbally said she's over here trying to act like she's my mom. And that was kind of where like my nacho really started. Is your biggest issue with him? Um, no. I mean, it's like three of them that it's been the most resistance from, and then two of them it hasn't. Okay. So you said that he's made the comment that you're trying to act like his mom or be his mom. Yeah. And I'm just going to put it out there that when they first came here, it was like me full time. So I was a stay at home mom. 
and I was here full time. I was just having my baby or just pregnant or whatever. Right. So it was pretty much me here full time. And I was in that role. But I looking back and what I had to realize is that I was high conflict stepmom. Right. Mm -hmm. So I am used to my mom and my dad doing these things and my mom being this way and my life being this way. And then here comes this person trying to, quote unquote, fix everything that she feels is wrong. And that causes problems. And I looking back, I'm like, yeah, that definitely, definitely was a problem. So I kind of had to like check myself that, okay, you need to take a step back because these are two adults that chose to have children and chose to raise them this way and you stepping in like this is it's intense for kids and it does cause problems because they notice things. Right. What's your visitation schedule with the stepkids? They live here full time and they had a good amount of time, like a year, uh, actually almost two years where they didn't see bio mom at all. And just recently they'll go and visit maybe you know, just occasionally. <laughs> I can't even put it like every other weekend type of thing because sometimes it'll be months between when they have visitation. Does she live close to you? She lives about, we go about an hour away to visit. Okay. So does bio mom just not care? Um, I know that's kind of harsh to say, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't because I know how hard it is to be a mom just from my own personal experiences. I'm going to just step out on a limb and say that having children young and not finding herself probably played an effect in just like it was easier that it was a better situation over here to kind of just out of sight, out of mind. Right. But I can't speak for her not caring. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Unfortunately, we just automatically assume that if the mom isn't present and she's not in a different country or something like that, why are you not seeing your kids? Or how can you not see them, you know? Yeah. And like, for me, just like the kind of mom that I am, I'm like, I go through hell and high water to see my kids be around them. (laughs) Like I'd fight anyone to, you know, make sure that I had that time, even if they weren't living with me full time, because it was better for them to be with the other parent. But I also just from, you know, working and uh, in a psychology background, I understand trauma. I understand childhood, whatever, all of that stuff. So it kind of feels like maybe there's some trauma and generational stuff that's been passed down. And maybe this is just like how things are. So I try not to even look too far into why not. I know it affects the kids greatly. So I don't know. I don't know. It's hard for me. I, I think that a lot of stepmoms feel this way because we love our kids so passionately that it's hard for us to imagine why someone would be so away. And then also, I'm just going to be honest with you, it could be some guilt. Like whenever you come here, I'm not able to provide for you the same way. And that makes me feel bad. And if it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind, I don't have to think about it. That is a good point that you brought up. If by a mom doesn't have the same financial means and she's just not in the same place and she comes to see the kids and, you know, they're doing good. They've got new clothes and things that she can't provide them, then that could make her feel horrible. Yeah, and that definitely um, is a thing. And, you know, I feel like a lot of times whenever people talk about absentee parents, they think of bio dads and like that they just kind of let go. But really, this does happen with women as well. And I think that for women, 
it is a lot more like you said that if I see them with all of these things I could not provide, I kind of feel like, and I'm not going to put words in anyone's mouth, but kind of like a failure, to be honest. Right. If I could provide these things for my own biological children, I would feel like a failure. There's times where I can't buy, you know, them like the $400 gift that they want that they really don't need. And I still feel bad about it. So not being able to provide their own rooms and, you know, clothes and stability, I I can only imagine. Yeah, you've definitely got me thinking on that because, I mean, I've thought about it before, but I don't know, for some reason, when you're saying that, I'm thinking she's got five kids. Mm. And even if she had a decent job and it would still be hard for her to be able to provide for them, even for Christmas. And what's interesting is that kids are resilient and kids are so forgiving of their biological parents, right? So she hasn't done anything for Christmas or birthdays in this entire time that they've been here. And they still are like, tell her, we don't need anything. We just want to see you. I think that's hardest for me because kids, they're so resilient and they don't care about material things. So it really is in the other parent's own head that they care about this and that you feel bad because really they don't care about it. Right. They sometimes even in the way that they act around here, we we always joke, we're like, man, they're ungrateful because we do so much and we, you know, managing all of this and this other parent that does not do anything still is looked at as like this goddess. So, right. Because that's mom. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And they probably feel bad for her that she can't provide those things or that she doesn't have the life they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then also, I think that I would be a little bit more compassionate. Mm-hmm. If there was not so much disrespect towards our household, right? So like, I would be more compassionate to be like, hey, I can help you to see them. Hey, you know, I can assist you in this or hey, like, let's try and make this happen. But there's just so much disrespect that comes towards this house. And that plays a role in how people treat me when they come back from seeing her. And I'm just like, you know, if someone was not asking you for anything and was just taking care of your responsibilities... I would be a little bit more respectful, but also I know that that's projecting. So I try not to take it personally. Right. It's projecting and it's also hurt, you know, hurt people, hurt people. So she's hurting and she doesn't want her kids to play happy family with you. Oh, yeah. And that's come up quite a few times. Yeah. So when did they come to live with y'all full time? Like in this December, it'll be coming up as three years. So as long since you've been in the relationship. Um, yeah, they moved in pretty, pretty soon after we got engaged. And what was the visitation like prior to that? They lived with mom for two years, just her. Before that, they lived with both parents. I guess it, things just got to the point that she just couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah, and like, I don't want to dive too far into like that whole mess. But yes, pretty much that. It was like, I'm done. I have exhausted all of my options and resources and I can't take it anymore. Right. And which is hard for the kids, right? So like I try and see it from both sides because I mean, that has to be extremely difficult. No matter how bad the conditions are with a parent, it feels like you still want to be with the parent because it is your parent. And it was like a totally different life coming here too, right? So like we live in the suburbs and we are, have a, you know, home that we have chores and expectations and we have routines and we have vegetables for dinner. So all of that just... How dare you have vegetables for dinner? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So 
and the whole entire process of blending and them and just being compassionate of their mental health needs but at the same time of my own like that's that's a hard <laughs> a hard thing <laughs> right so you said that you started not showing yeah so it's kind of a weird dynamic because in our household we have two girls and then everybody else's boys so i kind of recently after having this whole come to Jesus moment with my fiance and with myself about just like, this is not working. I kind of just like take over the two girls who are the youngest and then the baby. And I just buy everything that they need. And I, you know, take them and take care of everything that they need. And the boys, I'm a lot more hands off. So they're teenagers. So obviously dad can connect with them better, but even more than that, they are older. So they have these memories of their parents together and their mother and we're closer in age. It just wasn't working out. Um, There was even things like parenting decisions, right? Where I'm like, hey, we need to do things like this. And he's like, well, I'm actually comfortable with that. It's okay. So I'm stressing myself out behind this and you don't even care about it. Right. You know what? I'm going to let you uh, raise your teenage boys the way that you see fit. And that's it. And I'm going to just put it out there that the way that he sees fit is nothing wrong. It's not like he's allowing, you know, these crazy things, right? Right. It's just different than you would parent. Exactly. And then also, I think for myself, like I said, my kids are younger. So I haven't dealt with teenage years. But he is older than me. My fiance is uh, 35 years old. So he's like, hey, sometimes you need to look at things from my perspective, too. Like the oldest is about to be 17 years old. It's okay if he's standing outside talking to his friends in the front yard. That's okay. Like, this has to be something that's okay. And I'm like, yeah. Then I'm a very, I don't want to say strict, but I'm orderly. Like, I like a very clean home. And I like things to be done at a specific time. And that's my own type A personality. Mm -hmm. And I've grown myself to realize that I can't control everything and everyone, especially when when you're blending. Right. The stepmoms that have type A personalities have a harder time in the blend. Oh, yeah. I'd probably probably guarantee because whenever you have expectations for things to run a specific way and you like order and you do not like chaos, that is difficult, especially with big families. And then you have blended families because they have all of these morals and values and, you know, perspectives that were before you were even in the picture that affect how they function in life. Right. And with my own kids, they've been with me this whole time. Right. So they're like, they know my expectations. They know which sets me off. They know all of these things, even my partner. So when you're blending and then you have all these outside factors that impact things and so much out of your control, that's difficult. Yeah, it is. It's very difficult. So how does your daughter fit in with this big old blend? She went from being an only child to having five siblings. Yeah. So looking back on it now, I sometimes question if I made the right decision. You know, when you're an only child, all of the focus is on you. And that's that's a double-edged sword. So like, <laughs> that's like a good thing because everything is, you know, the attention's on you. But then you also kind of become spoiled and ex- entitled um, at the same time. So it's been interesting to see how she has done with having so much attention pulled away from her. I mean, we have four boys who play football. That's four days a week football. 
games and then we have another kid playing soccer and then her playing soccer and then a baby who takes up a bunch of attention so I've just been really intentional about making sure that she still feels that sense of importance in such a big family which I try and do for everyone but her especially she still goes to her dad so I think that's also a good thing and then since she's the youngest of besides the baby that kind of gets her a little bit more attention too but thankfully her and my stepdaughter are extremely close like I think over the pandemic I have seen their relationship just blossom I call them freaking frack because they are just attached at the hip and so close so I love that for them and I feel like that has helped my daughter in the situation um she loves having siblings and that's been a source of anxiety for me lately because their relationship has gotten so close and great but then my stepdaughter now is about to go to middle school next year Mm-hmm. Um, so they won't be going to the same school and they won't be, you know, around the same friends. And, and I just wonder how that's going to impact everything because then my daughter kind of will be like the only child again if this other person doesn't really want to be bothered by them because they're so young. Right. That's true. With my son, I went through some of the similar things where he went from being an only child to throwing him in the mess with all these kids. Mm-hmm. And you do, you're like, did I do the right thing? How's this going to affect him? Yeah, because sometimes I look back and I'm just like, uh, you know, I just, (laughs) I'm like, as parents, we try and make the best decision that we can with the information we have at the time. I stand firm on my decision just because my fiance really is amazing and he is such a great role model for her and he loves her so much and he's such a great dad to everyone and he's a good partner. So that makes me feel great. But I do wonder because I look at some of the decisions that my parents made and I'm like, what did you do that for? Uh huh. So I hope she has the same compassion that I try to have with my parents and just knowing that they did the best they could at the time. So this is something totally different, but like I can kind of relate to my stepchildren because my biological mother decided that it would probably be best for me to live with my dad and my stepmom when I was a baby. So I was raised by my dad and my technically stepmom. Okay. And that was just a decision I never understood. Like even now at 26, I just, you know, as I continue to be a mother and I see things in life, I've kind of been trying to work through it and understand her perspective more. But no matter what, no matter how great my life was and no matter how many things I had and no matter how many opportunities I had, it still feels like you, you gave up. And me as a mom, I'm like, I just would never give up. So in saying that my stepmom is like my best friend, it was never step. It was like always just family. Everything was just like that was my mom. So seeing that relationship and (laughs) seeing me becoming a stepmom with teenagers, my expectations were all off. Right. How old were you when your parents split up? They were never together. Okay. So literally since I was a baby, my dad and my stepmom have been together. Okay. So you never stayed with your mom? I think for like, maybe like the first year. Now, did you have visitation with your mom after that? Um, I used to see her in the summers. I remember that. But there were a few summers in there where I was angry and I didn't want to see her. So how far away did your mom live? I grew up in Illinois and she lived in Texas. Oh, big difference. Yeah. Do you have a relationship with your mom now? Yeah. So when I moved down to Texas... When I was, I think, 20, no, I moved down the first time at 18, and then I moved back to Illinois at 20, at, at 19, then I moved back down here at 21, 
and yes, our relationship has grown. Um, she's a great grandmother to all of the kids, which is nice to see. Uh huh. And yeah, we're a lot closer than we were when I was growing up. So you don't hold any resentment toward her for her decision? I hold a lot of resentment towards her for her decision. But she doesn't know that? Um, she's kind of a, is it just a person that even if you try and like talk about it, they don't see anything wrong. Um, and I actually kind of see this a lot with just like biological mothers that have relinquished their children mm-hmm. or just limited contact or whatever. They try and have this, I've blocked away that, that decision I made. Like maybe it's guilt or maybe it's shame or whatever. So I just let it go. I mean, I go through times where I don't talk to her for a while and I'm not sure if she understands. I know she doesn't understand why. Yeah, because if she doesn't see anything wrong with her decision, she's thinking, I did what was best for you. That is another reason why when I think about my stepkid's mom, I am thinking that that's in her mind is probably what she's thinking too. It was the best decision for you. But you know what? I have to say this. I think your situation of what you went through with your mom is helping you with the situation your stepkids are going through. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it is helping me to be able to understand what they're going through. But it still is a struggle for me because my relationship with my stepmom, I mean, I was just so loyal to her. Like anyone who ever referred to her as step, I was like, no, that's my mom. Like even until this day, like I'm very, very protective of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually closer to her than I am to either of my biological parents. And that I'm like, I don't have this at all. So what the heck am I doing wrong? So I talked to her a lot for advice. (laughs) Right. Well, you're not doing anything wrong. You just came in at a different time. Right. I think if your stepmom would have came in when you were a teenager, not that y'all wouldn't have a good bond, but it wouldn't have been maybe as strong or it would have taken more time to develop. You know, they say it takes on average seven to eight years to blend. You're in year three. (laughs) And then by the time that, you know, we come around, I actually was talking to my mom about this the other day. I'm like, by the time that we come around to the point where we're really good, then it's going to be like everybody pretty much is out of the house anyways. (laughs) Exactly. But there's good in that too. At least they leave on a good note. So they're probably going to have a good relationship to you where they're going to be more apt to bring their kids over and have family get-togethers and things like that. Whereas if you had a bad relationship with them, you know, they'd kind of pull away. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have fears that the stepkids are never going to move out of the house? Um, I have that fear for two. Um, maybe one. One of them. Another one, he has plans to go to the military. So I'm thinking that that'll be a good push for him. But also, like, whenever we talk about parenting styles, you know, they just, to me, from my perspective, whenever I was the oldest age, I was already grocery shopping and, you know, had a car and had a license and all of these things. And I just don't know if he's prepared. And I'm not sure if that's just because he's a boy or whatever. I do. And then one is, um, has some special needs. So it just kind of feels like maybe this is never going to end. The special needs child are their disabilities so much that they will never be able to live on their own? No. Thankfully, no. Okay. Just may take a little longer. Yeah. (laughs) But then whenever you're in this situation where every day feels like a really long day, 
and you don't really see the end of like, you know, just being able to enjoy your partner. Uh-huh. It just seems even longer. And I will preference like all of this to say that we did things very fast and that it probably has an effect too on how things are going. Like I said, we got engaged and then everybody just kind of piled in together. So. And how long had y'all been dating when you got engaged? Not long. Maybe like a year. Oh, that's not too bad. I thought you were going to say like a week. No. I mean, it was like a love at first sight kind of thing. Like it was, it, we knew. And we still feel the same way. It's just all of this other pressure of everything. Yeah, it is a lot. It's definitely a lot. But I'm proud of you for even though you may have questions about whether you did the right thing, you're committed. You don't have one foot out the door. Oh, and that's hard because and this is probably just teenage stuff, but some pretty intense situations with the oldest. And I'm like, you know what? This situation is not serving me anymore and I just need to be done. And then I talked to my mom and she's like, I felt that way when you were a teenager, too, because teenagers suck. (laughs) So you really had to consider because I'm like, then when I back down, I'm like, he's really a great kid. And this is not a situation where my partner is going against me and is disrespecting me in the parenting in front of the children and going against what I'm saying or anything like that. It's just a matter of like teenagers are a handful. (laughs) I kind of try and decipher between the two. Another thing that I is difficult for me is like, even though I'm grounded and stuck to it, sometimes whenever I have frustration with their mother or with the situation or with one of them disrespecting me, then I find that I can kind of take it out on the rest of the household. So I try to just like ground myself and bring myself back to being like centered that frustration around who it belongs against. Don't go around the house irritated with everyone. (laughs) Right. And that is hard to do. I know with the whole stepkid stuff, when we were struggling, I even took it out on people at work because it impacts you so much that it's hard to direct that anger where it truly belongs. And honestly, the anger I had wasn't really truly belonging to the stepkids. In hindsight, it was me. I was the high conflict stepmom. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes whenever I will like comment that I am not, it sounds mean when you say it out loud, but the reality is, is that whenever you realize that you're bringing situations on yourself that you can avoid and that that are not necessary. Sometimes whenever I think about stuff I did in the beginning, I'm like, I could have let that go. I could have not said a single word and nothing would have changed. Right. Nothing would have changed. People would have went on their way. And then also I, it's difficult for me because I grew up as an only child, right? So I got in trouble about everything because there nobody was teaching me how to hide stuff the proper way, right? (laughs) So there was, I got in trouble for everything. So there's some stuff that my stepkids are going to get away with. And I'm like, no, I saw it and I have to say something and I've got to make sure they get in trouble about it. And now I'm just like. What's done in the dark will come to the light. You do you, boo. Yeah. Your dad will find out and it won't have anything to do with me. And I'm not going to get blamed for always tattling on you. (laughs) And that's another aspect of it. I imagine that stepmoms who are only children probably have a difficult time with blending. And then also just with having other people in your space. Because that's a thing for me, too. Even with my own kids, sometimes I don't want to be touched. Sometimes I don't want people around me. So having seven children always around you is kind of like. Is anybody ever going to leave because I need some quiet? I'm irritated. We never get a date night. And then like I go into this whole rant and rage and then I come back to normal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Are you an introvert? Yeah, um, that is another part of it. I consider myself an introvert. I mean, I have times where I like I like to throw parties, right? But then by the time that eleven o'clock comes, I'm like, all right, well, you don't have to go home, but you gotta get out of here. <laughs> yep, bye bye. Right. So I have created my own space inside my own room where no children come into because it gets to be overwhelming. I was actually just talking to my his parents, my in-laws about this. And I was saying like, watch whenever four o'clock rolls around, all the kids are going to be here and it's going to be a shit show and it's going to be loud. And we actually have a big house, but even still, everyone's trying to talk about their day all over each other and talk about sports. And it's just loud. And it's just a lot. Mm -hmm. And good thing that my fiance is just so grounded. Like it doesn't affect him at all. And he knows whenever I take my water and I go upstairs, he knows I just need a moment. (laughs) Right. And it's not because you hate his kids or anything like that. It's just a lot. It's a lot to take in. And like you said, the noise. Oh, my gosh. I remember when those kids would come busting in the door. All five of them, including mine. Just even the sound of all the feet running up the steps and the book bags hitting the floor and getting cups out of the cabinet. It was just like, oh, my gosh, make it stop. Yeah. And then for a while here, this year was especially difficult because of all just being trapped in the house together. Not my fiance, but me with kids because I actually work from home. So it was me with all of the kids for what, seven months? Girl, you get an award. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So that was just a whole new level of like me fully immersing in the blending and and spewing all of my frustrations onto my partner every night when he came home from work. Yeah. And then they don't like it either. Just as much as I get irritated, I can tell that. I mean, and like I said, the oldest has verbally said it, like you're trying to act like my mom. They don't want me doing these things that they need, like taking them to the doctor or um, picking them up when they're sick from school because they want their mom to be doing it. Unfortunately, that's not the reality. And it's just a messy situation for everyone. Right. And, you know, it's one of those things where your partner doesn't want to come home from work and hear about every single thing his kid did wrong. Oh, that was another part of the high conflict stack mom thing, right? Because every single thing that they did, even if it's something normal that kids do, okay, leave a cup on the counter, um, whatever, and I'm irritated about then I'm going to tell you every single part of it. And he just started to become like, you know what? They're old enough. They can stay here alone. You need to just leave during the day. Like if it's this big for you, then we need to figure something else out. And I'm like, no, I'm just venting. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to hear that. And then it's like, it won't just be the cup on the counter. It's the cup on the counter times five other cups on the counter because there's so many kids. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> when I first started not showing, it was, okay, well, I'll just tell David the things he needs to know. And I would make a list. And then 10 minutes before he came home, I would look at that list and say, does he really need to know that all four of them did this? Because it wasn't anything but them being kids. So my list of 180 items <laughs> would quickly dwindle to like three issues. And it was things that I had issues with. For example, the kids fighting. David doesn't have a problem with them fighting. They're boys. Mm-hmm. But I did. But I had to stop telling him every single thing they did wrong because what it did was made him not want to communicate with me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was just venting more than anything. But men aren't like that. When we vent to them, they think that we want them to solve our problem, which a lot of times we do. 
but we also just need to vent. So we did couples counseling probably like nine months into blending. And that was one of the things that came up because I'm like, every single time I'm just talking to you and venting to you, you're always like, well, I'll just take them to my parents' house. And you're not really validating how I'm feeling because I don't want them gone. I don't dislike them. I don't want anything to change. I'm just straight up telling you that it's irritating, just like I do with our child as well. Like, this is driving me up a wall. Mm -hmm. And the counselor said the same thing as you. He's like, well, when men hear things like that, they're just like, I'm going to fix the problem so I don't have to hear about it anymore. Mm -hmm. And you have to actually verbally say, I'm going to vent to you right now, and I don't need a solution. And I'm not walking out of the door, and I'm not about to throw all of the kids out of the window. <laughs> like I right. literally just need to release after this day and then I'll be fine. Exactly. And I know one thing too that you mentioned earlier was it's not that your husband's a bad parent at all. It's just certain things annoy you that don't annoy him. Oh yeah. And we see that in relationships with biological children too, right? Mm-hmm. Like Maybe one parent is super um, serious about schoolwork and homework and another parent is just like, well, try your hardest. And that's why sometimes whenever I see people really getting into it with biological mothers, I really encourage them to like take a step back and see if it's really a problem that you have. Like it's really affecting the child. It's like neglect. It's like something that is serious or if it's just a difference of parenting because At the end of the day, you even see other moms in your regular mom groups who parent different than you. And you're not going to say, you know, take your kid away. They don't deserve custody. It's just different. Sometimes it's different. (laughs) Well, and like you said, with school, certain parents are more strict with school and certain ones are more laid back. David was more laid back with school than I am with my son. But my son is different than his kids. My son doesn't really have to study to make good grades. Whereas David's kids struggled a little more with math and English. So you can't really put everybody on the same level. Right. Exactly. Because you do have to tailor it to each. Like one of his kids, I will say, I'm like, if you've already said it to him one time, he should be on it. Because that's how I was raised. If your parents said it one time, you better be moving or else something's going to happen. And he's a lot more like, I'm going to say, hey, you need to go get on your homework. And like, if they're still playing around, it's okay. And I realized it's because he trusts that he's going to get it done. He doesn't, he knows that he doesn't have to say it again or demand that they move right then like a power play because he really does trust that they're going to get it done. And whenever I step back, I'm like, he really does get it done every time. Mm -hmm. He he hears what you're saying. It's just, he's not going to do it right then. And that's just a different difference of parenting that I've had to come to understand. Right. And then on the flip side of that, (laughs) you know it's not just stepmoms you know dealing with their stepchildren him too when dealing with my daughter I am a lot more lax and she talks back and she whines a lot and he can't stand it he is that is one of the things that he's very strict with his kids about talking back and whining Mm -hmm. so whenever my daughter starts with that he's like he, he just can't take it. He, he gets frustrated. But a source of conflict for us is that he's told me I'm harder on his kids than I am on my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's because my daughter's only seven. She's not older. So I had to step back and look at that too. I'm like, am I? 
am I harder on his kids than, than on my own? Do I have more sympathy and compassion? Probably. And it's not that you do it intentionally. You will honestly feel like you're treating them the same. And here's the reality of it. Even if you treat them exactly the same, your significant other is going to feel like you're harder on their kids because you're not their parent and it doesn't come from the same unconditionally loving place. Oh, he told me one time we got into an argument, right? And I can't remember what it was about because, you know, so much stuff happens between one time to another. But he said, you don't understand because you did not have them. You did not change their diapers. You were not there like I was. And it was just like kind of hurt because. Because you cared. Exactly. Exactly. Because I'm doing all of these things for them and I'm sacrificing because I care because I love them. And then to hear that is just kind of like, yeah. But then you think about it and you're right. I didn't change their diapers and I wasn't there. But I don't feel I kind of have to kind of question myself if I have a savior complex because I don't feel like that negates me caring. Right. That's kind of like when the counselor told me, Lori, they're not your kids. I'm like, duh. I know how many kids I had. (laughs) But it hurt my feelings at the same time because I did care about them. I wanted what was best for them. I wanted them to grow up and be outstanding young men. He just be the best you can be kind of thing. And when he kept telling me that, it did. It hurt my feelings. But kind of like you, I was sitting in the car, and when I realized, hey, they're not my kids. I'm creating my own misery. It was like, ding, 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 you won, you won. You just realized that you're part of the problem and that you can change a lot of it. Right, and like not only the fact that I care, for me personally, I'm like, I have dedicated a great deal of my 20s and sacrificed and, you know, I continue to sacrifice financially, um, my time, my energy, my emotions, you know, consistently making sure that things are special and great and awesome. But you're right, creating your own misery, because really, at the end of the day, I read the thing and it's like, one day you're going to look back and you're going to say, hey, I did all of this for you. And everyone is going to go, I never asked you to. Yes. <laughs> so true. <laughs> exactly. Because we want appreciation. We want to know that the sacrifices we made were for something. But you may not get that appreciation from your stepkids or your own kids or even your husband. You have to do it because you know it's right. Yeah, because I was talking to my stepmom and I was telling her, you know, hopefully one day they appreciate it. And she's like, get that out of your head. Because you might not ever come back and say, especially since they're so much older, they might not ever get it. They might not ever come back. Might not be until they're 30 years old with their own kids. Like, get that out of your head. So I just enjoy the fact that I'm having an impact on their life. And I know that I'm doing this because I love my partner, too. And I know that he genuinely appreciates appreciates it. Exactly. I, I am going to say something and I, I feel I I think that a lot of stepmoms feel the same way. Sometimes I question, you know, you have everybody has their own roles in a relationship and they have things they're good at and things are not. And it feels sometimes like, are you just with me? Because I'm good at being organized and I take care of, you know, the groceries and I make sure that the parties are special and I make sure that the holidays happen. 
And I, I, a lot of times we get into fights. I'm like, are you just with me because I help you with your kids? And he's like, my kids are older. I don't need a babysitter. So no, and you can stop doing everything. And then I feel bad because I'm like, no, I don't want to stop doing everything. (laughs) Yeah. When David and I got married, I decided to sell my house. And you don't know how many times I sat on that front porch crying, just going, I can't believe I sold my house. Now I have nowhere to go. And I'm stuck in this zoo with all these kids that hate me. And I've ruined my kid's life. Oh, it was just horrible. Thank God for Nacho. Because once I started doing that, I no longer sat on that front porch and cried. (laughs) That is how you feel, though, right? Like, I've changed. And this is not just with people who become stepmoms. I feel like even in just normal relationships where you don't have any kids, you, you you do have things that you have to let go of in order to move forward in another person. And then when you look back and like you guys have a fight or you're considering what your options are and you're looking at if this is the right decision, you're like, I gave up everything, man. So now I just kind of look back and I'm like, I gained so much because I really did. I really did gain a lot. And I try and focus on that. Oh, yeah. If I could do it all over again. Of course, I wish I would know to Nacho straight out of the gate. But even if I knew the struggles that I would have, I would still choose this path in my life because it has made me a stronger person. It has made my relationship with David stronger. It has shown my son and my stepkids that you don't just give up on a marriage. You don't just throw it away because it's hard. And the whole Nacho thing Girl, I'm not kidding. It changed my life. I had less stress at work. I had less stress on the drive to work. I have less stress in Walmart when I have to go because I've learned to not let my emotions take control of me. I've learned to walk by somebody, and if they're rude when I say, excuse me, I'm like, okay, I guess you're having a bad day, and I just go on. I don't let other people steal my joy. I try to... Be more compassionate to others because I don't know what they're going through. And I just try to have a positive mindset. And none of that would have happened if I wouldn't have went through the hell I went through with these stepkids. And I think that whenever I talk to you, even like, you know, our own families can be our our worst nightmares because they don't understand it. People from the outside are just like, well, you knew what you were getting into. Well, they're your stepkids. You should love them like your own. But then at the same time, those aren't your kids. You shouldn't be doing that. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Like, so which one is it? Um, so just taking on this approach, like you said, from the beginning, if I would have just stepped back and been more like the cool aunt who just gives direction and dad can take care of that. And I'm going to worry about the things that are really, really serious and not try and change the course of your life or the way you've been parented or these key pillars and who you are, we would have had a better relationship probably. Mm -hmm. Maybe not because like I said, they're so much older that they kind of already, you're, you get to be seen as this person that's in the way of my parents being together. Even if the parents were never going to be together again in their head, this person is the reason they can't be together. And you're not ever going to change that in a person's mind. Right. Did you ever wish your parents were back together? No. That's that is why this is why my experience with stepmothering being so much different than me growing up. I see how they work with the, you know, loyalty, um, feeling loyal to one person and not the other. But me, I never wanted them together. Um, I pretty I have told her straight to her face 
who has raised me and what they have done for me. Anytime somebody else in my biological mother family brings up the fact that it's my stepmom, like I called them out on it. And that's from a really young age. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) yeah, no, I never had this where I question like, what if they were together? Never, never. So whenever I see my stepkids be like that, I'm like, y'all are not loyal like I was. But I'm like, they are loyal. They're loyal because their loyalty lies to their mom, the person who had them. Right. The person they grew up with. Right. And it's not like they were two or three when their mom quit seeing them so much. Yeah. And then also she kind of um, made it like the reason I can't see you is because of them. So that is a whole new set of, you know. Oh, so it's your fault or y'all's fault. It always is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it always is. And that's just going to make it harder for you to have a relationship with those stepkids because they're looking at you as the reason. And it's weird to me because I'm like, I wouldn't want for my kids to feel that kind of tension in their home. I would want for them to be comfortable. I would want for them to have a relationship with the person that has to be there. Right. But they don't see it like that. No. Well, the best that we can hope for is that mom gets her crap together and can provide for the kids to where she doesn't feel as guilty or embarrassed or whatever have you, that she can't provide those things. And that way she'll quit bashing y'all. Um, <laughs> You don't see it happening. <laughs> we can wish, right? Hey, girl, don't ever give up hope. Yeah, and I think another part of it is that when they were together, he just provided everything and did everything. So that's another factor of it is like a lot of man, that she doesn't have the relationship with him, too. Right. So it's not just you're raising my kids. You also have my man. I should be living in that house. I should be living that life. And it's like, um, no. <laughs> Y'all were together. We're separated for a while. So, yeah. And that mom is always to blame. I feel like we're always just the answer for everyone's, you know, we're just a scapegoat for everyone. That's funny you said that because we talk about getting rid of the word stepmom a lot because it has the word mom in it and it causes the stress and the unrealistic expectations and all this crap. So I said, I think we should change it to scapegoat because that's what it is. And it's so funny because when the stepmom comes into the picture, it's completely different than when the stepdad does. It's almost like the stepmom marrying the bio dad makes it set in stone that these kids' parents will never get back together in their head. Whereas the mom getting remarried doesn't have the same impact. It's very interesting. Yeah, and also, like, whenever stepmom step into the role, it feels like because they're a woman, there's this expectation for them to be nurturing and to be the organizer. And it's like, he didn't marry a babysitter. <laughs> like, that that wasn't what the role was. Uh-huh. And then when stepdads, I mean, you even see it all over social media, they're praised. Oh, taking on someone else's responsibility. Oh, how amazing that you do that. And we see that with bio children too. Oh, how amazing for you to change that diaper. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. <laughs> like what? <laughs> <laughs> and these women can run circles around them and, you know, it's like, well, that's your job, girl. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then. Whenever we hear you knew what you were getting into, nobody, nobody can be prepared for this. I'm sorry. I'm going to put it out there, but you knew you were getting into a situation where there were going to be some of the kids, but you did not know what you were getting into. There is 
literally no way to accurately describe what blending a family is like. (laughs) No, there's not. And it's funny because anytime somebody says that, I roll my eyes. And so the whole time you said that, I was like rolling my eyes. Oh, that just pushes a nerve. When people say that, I'm like, oh, okay, so you have a crystal ball. Because no, you didn't know what you were getting into. You knew that you were marrying somebody. You knew they had kids. You knew they had an ex. But you didn't realize that you were going to deal with five spawns of Satan. You can't predict the future. It's like getting a job. You don't know going in if the job that you get hired for is going to be the same position you're doing in three months. You may be hired as customer service, and the next thing you know, you're in sales. And then not even just that. Like There's parts of Stop Parenting that I'm pretty sure nobody thinks about. Because Christmas time is you are both of your families expected to get both sets of kids the same exact thing. Do you call them out when they don't? It's like, yeah, you know, um, all of it. Like there's no way to really think about all these things. You can consider them to begin with, but some people hit the jackpot. It's a great situation or whatever. And then sometimes it's just a lot more to work through. Well, I'm curious because we are coming up on Christmas. What are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like that you're parents should buy all the stepkids and your bio daughter and your hours kid spend the same amount of money on all of them? Or do you think that they should buy them what they want? And if they don't want to buy them anything, they don't. Thankfully, um, my parents and his, everybody is like treats them exactly the same. So it just turns out that they pretty much will get the same thing. There are times whenever my bio daughter will just get something extra. And it's never like openly like in front of everyone. Sometimes like even recently they bought her all of this stuff for softball because they want her to learn how to play it. So like that's something extra that was given, but at holiday time, there's no difference between anything. Even this is another reason for bio mom to hate me. The kids all went to visit my family without us in Illinois and they stayed for a couple of weeks and they had a blast, like so much fun because they just don't see differences in children, probably because, you know, technically I'm a stepchild, uh-huh. but that is not the norm. And I do not think that anybody should do anything you're not comfortable with. If you're uncomfortable with it, then just stay away from that house during the holiday time. But then I look at it from the other side. I don't ever want kids to feel like they're left out, that they're different, that they are, do not belong, that they're not wanted. Right. No matter how bad their teenage personality is. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So if there was a situation where there was this clear division of whatever, I would, we would probably just have to go visit with just me and my bio kids alone on the weekend or whatever. Because I don't ever want them to feel like that. Even if they do crappy things to me, I'm an adult. They're not. So I've seen all kind of stuff regards to Christmas and things like that when it comes to the blended families. And one thing that kind of struck me was when someone mentioned, well, my parents are retired and they have a fixed income and they're not used to buying Christmas gifts for five kids. They're used to buying them for one. So if your parents are only used to buying for one kid, and all of a sudden there's five because of the stepkids, how should that be handled? Should your parents be stressed and have to struggle paying bills to buy all the kids stuff? No, no. That's what frustrates me so much about Christmas is the debt that people incur that's unnecessary. What your parents can do is 
give your kids something when the other kids don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Or you can slide your parents a hundred bucks and say, here, get them all something. Well, not only that, I know that my my fiance has had conversations with his kids about like, hey, there's a lot of y'all and you are not, you guys know this, you're older. We can be straight up that these are not, you know what I mean? Like these are not your grandparents, like biological. You have your own set of grandparents and stuff like that. So whatever you get, you need to be thankful for it. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, my family is not like that. But I was going to say that this whole expectation, bio or not, that we have to spend money to celebrate holidays is crazy. So a lot of times whenever we go, we go to Chicago every single year for Christmas as a family, all of us. And although they do get gifts, a lot more of it is like playing games and hanging out and going to see the lights and having experiences. Mm-hmm. And I try and raise everybody that life's not fair. You're not always going to get a gift. And that just, that's okay. Right. It's okay. <laughs> Your parents are the ones responsible for doing these things for you and they will. So if something doesn't come that you thought it would from a certain person, we're just going to move forward. Right. But you're right. Nobody should be going into debt behind behind a holiday. Look, that's crazy. But it is hard because the older they get, your kid might want the PlayStation and it's 200 bucks. Whereas, you know, a four-year-old gets 20 gifts for 200 bucks. Yeah, and that is something like this year. I know that they want the new, there's like a couple new video game, new game systems, I guess the Xbox and the PS, whatever. Uh-huh. But there, and then two of them want a new phone upgrade. And we've already stated that like these big expensive gifts, that will most likely be the only one. And then some stocking stuffers. And the one-year-old will have a bajillion gifts because baby toys are just cheaper than everything else. So we have already made sure that that's known. Even with my seven-year-old, I just want you to know that you want this expensive gift. So you're going to get quite a few gifts, but it's not going to be anywhere near the baby. And it has nothing to do with favoritism. It's just because your gifts cost more money. Right. So we have had these conversations because then kids start to feel like, well, that's their baby. They live here with both of their parents. Mm -hmm. That's why he gets everything. And it's like, no, because baby pants are like $4. (laughs) Well, and in reality, your daughter is getting two Christmases because she'll get one with her dad. Yeah. And then that's like a source of, I can tell, hurt for them too. Because my daughter gets so excited about going over to her dad's Mm -hmm. with the whole family. And they don't have that experience. Yeah. I kind of try and encourage her to... Not tone down her excitement because she should be excited about it, but just be mindful that other people around us may be sad whenever that happens because they don't have the same opportunity. Right. That's exactly right. Teach her to be thoughtful. Yeah. And then also my stepdaughter can start to have a little attitude and be a little mean because she's angry. And that's how it comes out is being mean because I'm angry that you get to go and I don't. Right. And what it boils down to is I'm angry my mom doesn't get me. Yeah. Well, Jasmine, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast, and we appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that some part of that is able to help another stepmom not feel so alone, not feel so much like an outsider, because I know that whenever we have people around us who are not step parents or even some step parents that are considering themselves so perfect, it can feel like, what am I doing wrong? When really and truly, you're not doing anything wrong. You're making the most out of a situation that is foreign for everyone that steps into it. Right. It's not the norm. It's not 
how the world was meant to be. Exactly. Well, thank you again, and we wish you the best, and you have a great time with all them youngins, girl. Thank you. You have a good day. I love it when we have stepmoms on here that were stepkids themselves. Mm-hmm. They often think that they have a better perspective on blended families because of their past and their experience. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. Yeah, I wasn't in a blended family, so I don't I don't have any perspective. I walked into this thing going, I'm good. I'm awesome. Lori's awesome. This will be a piece of cake. <laughs> As you heard, Jasmine was raised by her dad and her stepmom mm-hmm. and would see her mom in the summers. And she's very close to her stepmom, closer than she is to her bio parents. Hmm. Interesting. One weekend a month, stepmom goes and stays in a hotel. Wow. For her mental health. That's that's pretty good. We are going to call that the Jasmine plan. <laughs> Everybody, you know, look, you stay often enough, you'll get some points to get free visits. Well, if you think about it, first of all, the mental health thing, it really is a big deal. Um, but if you if you think about how much money you probably spend on other things, like, you know, the going to get the $8 cup of coffee. Xanax. <laughs> Beer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, you, you spend X amount of dollars getting a massage or you spend X amount of dollars uh, getting your hair done or whatever. So. Oh, no, 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 no. David. What? Getting the hair done is not an option. Whatever. So, um, you know, this is just, I mean, it, when you first say it, it's almost like, what? That's kind of just weird. Well, and then look, a lot of times you can find Airbnbs cheaper mm-hmm. than you can a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Now, be careful. We've used Airbnb and VRBO before. (laughs) VRBO likes to add lots of fees. So just be cautious of that. Yeah. We did not have that same issue with Airbnb. But I do have a question, though. Like, if I were to tell you once a month or anytime, like, I'm going to go stay in a hotel room, would you not feel like, okay, as long as you don't have anybody else in that hotel room with you? You know how, you know what I'm saying? Like, hotel rooms have that. (laughs) <laughs> that skank quality to them. I mean, it's like I'm going to the hotel. You know what I'm saying? The no-tail motel. I don't know. I just, I, you know, I'm secure in our relationship, but I would I would think that if I were going to a hotel room on a frequent basis that that you might at some point go, hmm. I don't know, but you go on a Facebook group and put that, <laughs> I guarantee you they'll be like, girl. Yeah, that's what I'm nah. saying. Like if you, if I if you were to post in there like my significant other goes and stays at a hotel room once a month for his mental health, they'd be like, "Girl, he got a girlfriend that he ain't telling you about." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I I, I just all right. It. Well, the Jasmine plan might backfire on somebody. That's well, that's kind of why I'm bringing it up. Like, look, it works for them. They definitely have agreed that this is something that is beneficial. They're they're solid in their relationship, trust and all that. But I would caution other couples about going on that path unless okay. <laughs> she could do that. So maybe once a month, go have lunch with a friend. Right. Not at a hotel. <laughs> but Jasmine, if you're listening to this, I didn't think about that when we talked about this. Yeah, like I would have really dug down into this one. Like how did this become an, 
an option and how was it presented? How is everybody okay with it? I've got questions, maybe, Jasmine. Yeah, but maybe they like either own a hotel or, or somebody they know owns a hotel, so it makes more sense. I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't make any more sense. Yeah, it, it, like if I owned a hotel and I'm like, I'm going to stay in one of my rooms. Instead of paying for it? Right. But you still don't think that that would cause trust issues? It can, but I'm saying it makes makes it easier. All right, that's a good question for all you listeners. Like, what, like a vacation home. Like, I know people who do that, even married people. Like, I'm going to go stay in the vacation home this weekend. Okay, well, there you go. Look at it as her vacation home. The Motel 6 is her vacation home once a month. Well, not that I'm plugging Airbnb, but that might be a different conversation when you go, I'm going to go stay in an Airbnb for the weekend, rather than saying I'm going to the hotel for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jasmine, we're going to see if we can find you an Airbnb for you to stay in, because David's worried. It has a different connotation. Yes. All right, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> All right, so we're going to end here because we talked a lot in the beginning. I'm going to get a hotel this weekend, y'all. Go right ahead. <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> Jasmine, I will be in touch with you because now I got more questions. Yeah. Did y'all hear that, folks? Like, when I said that, did you hear that in her voice? It's like, uh-huh. You want to cheat on me? You go ahead. Look, I learned a long time ago. If you're going to cheat, you're going to cheat. All I, look. I can follow you around and be glued to you. And if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. I am not worried about you cheating. Look, but all I said was I'm going to get a hotel room Hang for the weekend. A and see I'm how not you, through talking. You went down this rabbit hole. If you are going to cheat, you are going to cheat. I am not going to sit here and worry my pretty little brain cells about it. Because I know if you do, I will find out. And that will be the end. Mm-hmm. It's simple. There will be no more nacho kids. There will be no more nacho kids. <laughs> and that will still be okay. Wait a minute now. Because if something happens and nacho kids goes away, everybody's going to think I cheated. That's not fair. Not your kids goes away. Y'all know why. Or either that or you you met your untimely demise. Right. There's two ways that not your <laughs> kids will go away. David cheats or I die. <laughs> or you cheat. Nope. That way ain't more options. That is more likely to happen. No, it is not. Okay, y'all, I'm going. We're going. David, say bye. <laughs> bye, y'all. Join us next week as we don't talk about getting a hotel room and cheating on each other. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.